Donald Trump's defiant return to Georgia. We're going to evict a totally corrupt president, Joe Biden, from the White House. And we're going to finish the job. Welcome to a special episode of the Politically Georgia podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Greg Bluestein. And I'm Patricia Murphy, and we are two of your political insiders here at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. If you're just joining us for the first time, welcome, and be sure to follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. Patricia, we are holed up in like the corner of the Columbus Trade and Convention Center, like literally above the rafters of the Georgia GOP convention, which is still going on as we are recording this. Donald Trump, minutes ago, just finished speaking to about 2,000 or so delegates, activists, and other GOP officials here in Columbus. Yeah, we're actually in literally a darkened corner of the <laughs> convention hall. I don't know how we found such a dark place. We actually need to use flashlights right now, so I hope our listeners are. <laughs> will bear with us if we seem like a little bit lost for a minute or two. Um, but yeah, Donald Trump went on for about an hour and a half to this convention hall of a Georgia GOP, where the mood, I have been a little bit surprised, was not as 100% pro-Trump as I expected it to be coming into this weekend. You could hear it in conversations ahead of Donald Trump's speech, and you could even see it during Trump's speech. He certainly got a very strong, warm reception, but typically in previous audiences where I've seen him, especially in a room that's not, it's a, if it's in a room and not a field, you can almost not hear yourself talk it or think. It is so thunderously loud. And here he got a, an enthusiastic um, reception, I would say, standing ovation to start, standing ovation to end. But you could still see some of the dissent in the room. Enthusiastic is a good way to put it, but it was not uh, thunderous. That's uh, we'll, right. We'll get more into that soon. But coming up on today's episode, we're going to talk a lot more about the key moments of the convention. We're going to bring you sound, including some of the speakers, what former President Donald Trump said to the convention's delegates. We'll also talk to congressmen, activists, and other Georgia Republicans who packed the two-day convention in Columbus. From the state GOP convention in Columbus, Georgia, this is a special edition of the Politically Georgia podcast from the AJC. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. And we're back to the Politically Georgia podcast. Greg Bluestein and Patricia Murphy, your hosts of the podcast. We talked to more than a dozen delegates. Well, we talked to dozens of delegates. We interviewed a good number of them. And over the next few minutes, you'll hear those interviews with delegates, members of Congress, top party officials, and just rank and file activists. We are here outside the State Republican Convention in Columbus at the Columbus Trade and Convention Center just around the corner from where the delegates are meeting right now. I'm joined by Scott Turner, former state representative, Republican of course, 
and the editor and publisher of Peach Pundit. Is that right? Yes, and today, delegate, you can add to that. And today, delegate. Yes. And is it safe to say a very happy delegate to be here? Oh, it's always exciting to, to get into a crowded room with 3,000 friends and, <laughs> and celebrate conservatism. It's awesome. It's a great opportunity. So tell me, because there is obviously a, a divide, there's a wedge between the establishment-friendly, or I guess more mainstream Republicans, and the more not-so-mainstream Republicans. How do you see that playing out? Well, this is the place to, for it to play out, right? I, what I'm looking for this weekend are for the leaders within the Republican movement, the people who are concerned with the health and viability of the party, the legitimacy of the party, the relevance of the party, to be able to establish a message and a path forward. And that's what I'm looking for. The speeches that we're hearing today, all the candidates who are lining up, that's what I want to hear from them, the, the path forward. Where are we going from here? So the key word there is forward. Yes. Uh, we're hearing that from Governor Kemp. We're hearing that from others who say that Republicans need to look forward rather than backwards. Are you? We've only heard from a few speakers, including Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, Vivek Ramaswamy, a presidential candidate. We are taping this Friday afternoon, so the bulk of the speakers still, hasn't, still haven't taken the podium. But are you satisfied with what you're hearing so far? Well, I want to hear more, right? I want to... And it, we, we talk about this uh, message of unity, and that needs to be from everybody. You know, and, and when we get into tomorrow, obviously President Trump is coming. I, I, I don't expect to hear that from him, especially in light of the, local, the recent news he's been indicted yet again on something else. So I, I expect it to be an explosive moment there. But I wish uh, what I'd hear from everybody, including him, is the vision casting moment, like the opportunity for this crowd to, to come together and say, this is what we're going to strive towards. Let's talk a little bit more about uh, the former president, because obviously that's the, the, one, of the, one of the many big plot lines of this convention. Mm -hmm. um, do you expect this to be a, a relatively pro-Trump crowd? And, and do you think that the indictment has, has energized delegates or do you think it's caused some concern? Well, I, I think that you're going to hear people who are fans of Trump justifying Trump's actions and defending him regardless of whether or not he's done anything wrong. And I've already heard arguments like, hey, what about Hillary Clinton's 33,000 emails that dis disappeared? And so there's a whataboutism at play. So I think the president can play to that very effectively because this crowd's going to be sympathetic. And where do you stand on that debate? On which debate? The on, on former President Trump, his comeback bid, and his focus on, uh, on his election grievances. Look, I, I, this is where I stand. I look at every down ballot race in Georgia, look at every Republican member of the, of the House and the Senate, and each one of them got more votes than Donald Trump in the last election. To everyone's surprise, you go back and you look at 2016, somebody like me in Cherokee County, I outperformed Donald Trump in the 21st House District. Mm -hmm. And that was like the big warning bell for me. And that's different machines, different voting process. So you can't blame the machines. You can't vote the, blame the voting process. There are people who are simply not going to vote for Trump. And so if there, are, there is an opportunity, I think, for us to look at somebody else to take our party in, into a new direction, then every Republican owes it to the health of the party and to the country to investigate other candidates to see if they can bring something to the table that can win in November. Scott, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. I know you'll thank be you. enjoying your Peach Pundit popcorn yes. as Donald Trump speaks on Saturday. Yes, we'll be passing out the Peach Pundit popcorn tomorrow. So look for it. We're here with Congressman Mike Collins, who had quite the moment on Friday, the first day of the Georgia GOP convention, where he put on a red MAGA hat to the applause of the crowd. Congressman, 
what do you think? How do you see the atmosphere here? Is it a pretty pro-Trump crowd here? Yeah, you know, you just take a look around. It's not only pro-Trump. It's just people that really are waking up and saying, we need a change. You know, you take a look at how things were going in 2016 all the way up till the pandemic. And people actually know what it felt like to never get tired of doing the one thing Donald Trump said you wouldn't get tired of. And that's winning. And they want that back. Whether it's inflation, whether it's our border that's out of control, whether it's the fact that we look like we are not respected around the world anymore. And, and people here care enough. This is an off-election convention. This is crazy how many people are here. There are many pro-Trump delegates here and also some not so pro-Trump delegates here. But as a leader of the party yourself, what's been your message to delegates and what do you say to them going forward leaving this today? Well, and a lot of that is what this is built for. It's a convention, and we've got a primary coming up. But me personally, I was pro-Trump before Donald Trump was even the nominee the very first time around. So I tell people all the time, check out all the candidates. That's fine. That's, that's who I'm supporting, and I can tell you exactly why I'm supporting Donald Trump this time around as well. So. Do you sense a lot of concern from delegates and attendees about the new federal indictment against former President Trump or people more energized by it? You know, I, I can definitely tell you people are more energized about it. You know, it, and that's kind of the way I started off my speech yesterday. I know I always look mad, but by God, I am mad and ticked off right now. This is a prime example of why the American people think there is a two-tiered system of justice out there. When you've got a sitting president that is willing to not only just attack an opponent using the justice system and the law enforcement system of this country, but willing to let them indict him on charges of concealed documents when he himself had concealed documents in not only his house, but in every one of his offices when he was in the U.S. Senate and vice president, which is totally illegal. People are seeing that and they are tired of it. And it's time and we need them engaged. I believe and I know this can happen. Nothing really happens in this country until the American people demand it. And when they stand up and they elect and push the Senate back towards Republicanism majority, and we get that White House back, oh God, we'll have this place running like a sewing machine again. Asa Hutchinson told us earlier that he is concerned with the secret documents. He felt like Donald Trump, from the information he knows, treated those like entertainment tools. Do you have any concerns at all about the underlying accusations, or do you dismiss those, or just feel like the system itself is not right? Russiagate 2.0. That's what it is. Congressman, thank you for joining us. We are here with former Fayetteville Mayor Greg Clifton, who is a Republican delegate from Fayette County. Greg, thanks for joining us. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So what's the atmosphere like? Has it been what you expected with about 2,000 plus delegates and, and alternates here? It's uh, busy. It's crowded, and uh, everybody seems to be in good spirits. Uh, looking forward to doing the business of the day. Oh! <laughs> 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 we were distracted. Congressman we Rich McCormick has just joined us, and he is going to be part of this interview right now, too. Thanks, thanks for joining us. Thank you, thank you. He was like going, oh. what is this guy doing, waving no, his hand? And I'm like, I'm like, don't tell, don't tell him anything. <laughs> what is this guy in the suit who just walked up? <laughs> hey, Congressman is part of the news agenda here, too, because you have endorsed Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, and you're one of the only 
uh, you're the first major Republican office holder to do that. Have you got any blowback here? You know, actually, I've had a really positive reaction to believe it or not. Some people are disappointed they love Trump, and I get that, and that, that's okay. Right? It's, we're determining our own uh, future. I think everybody, one thing we realize about the Republican Party, we're fiercely independent, and, and we're one body of many parts, and it's okay. It's okay to disagree. It doesn't have to be an argument. I think, that's right. And, and I think uh, a lot of people really like Ron DeSantis, quite frankly. They like what he's done with the governorship. They like the fact that he's grown in popularity by almost 20 points. Uh, they like what they've done with the economy. They like what he's done with taxation. They like what he's done with educational choice. Uh, I think most people realize he's a solid choice. Now, people who are loving Trump, I get it. Well, I think he'll come around. And uh, the congressman also has a, a snazzy new video that will be coming soon to computer screens near you. I just saw it this morning. Thank you. I appreciate that. I hope you, uh, hope you enjoyed it. Good to see you, Congressman. Hey, one thing, this Congressman sure took photo bombing to the next level. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that surprised me. So we are back with Greg Clifton, a former Fayetteville mayor. Greg, do you think the party's divided? Do you worry about the, the rift between the Trump advocates and the folks who aren't aligned with the former president? Yeah, I do, actually. Uh, it's uh, the way I see it, we got essentially three parties within the party. You got your always Trumpers, your never Trumpers, and your sometimes Trumpers. And uh, I am somewhat concerned with these 37 uh, uh, federal indictments uh, that they just handed down yesterday, especially when they got him on tape admitting that he knew he had stuff he shouldn't have had and showing to people without security clearances. It was a very immature thing for him to do. And, uh, you know, they may have him on this. Do you think it will come back to haunt him in November if he is the Republican nominee and makes him less electable? Well... Again, you have the always Trumpers and you have the never Trumpers, and neither of those are going to change, I don't think. The sometimes Trumpers, it may affect somewhat, but God help us if, if the Democrats get back in again. I mean, can I've got kids that voted for Biden, and I can't understand that for nothing. You know, how can you vote for that for anything? <laughs> so if not Donald Trump, for the never Trumpers and the sometimes Trumpers, who else do you like? I like uh, DeSantis pretty well. Uh, anybody but Biden is fine by me, pretty much. Uh, I'm enjoying uh, uh, Scott uh, from South Carolina. Uh, he's a refreshing voice. Uh, I like, we need more diversity, real diversity in the party, not just color diversity, but people that, you know, that have different views and have different experiences. and. What a great story. I mean, his is the American story from the cotton fields to the halls of Congress within three generations, you know. And I love his message that you can't say that we're a fundamentally racist nation when we've already had a black president, black, black vice president, and he rose from the cotton fields to Congress. You know, that's just a lie. Do you think this GOP nomination is up for grabs? Trump is so dominant in the polls right now, but it's very early. You know, that's an interesting thing. Yeah, uh, Early polls, I don't put a whole lot of stock in. Polling is very difficult now. Actually, in college, I took a uh, class on polling, Propaganda and Public Opinion was the title of it, Georgia State. And um, uh, it's become so much more difficult with uh, the cell phones and nobody having landlines anymore. I've got kids with Atlanta uh, area code numbers living in California and, well, Africa now, but, uh, Washington, D.C., and scattered everywhere. So you don't know where, where you're calling when you, you call a, a cell phone number. 
So it's very, very difficult, and then nobody answers the phone because there's so much spam. So polling is very, very complicated, very uh, fraught to get an accurate poll these days. Well, Greg, thank you so much for joining us. We'll let you get back to your delicious-looking chicken oh, sandwich. Yeah, yeah, no that doubt. does look good. How about it's not cold now? Uh, yeah, I'm sure it was cold to begin with. <laughs> Thanks, Greg. Enjoy. We're standing outside the convention hall right now with Katie Sharp, who is wearing a Nathan's Knuckleballers jersey uh, with the Nathan Deal logo. It's not necessarily something you see a lot here uh, at the convention, but as Katie said, she hopes there's more people who are, who are wearing Nathan Deal jerseys at the Republican convention here. Um, Katie, how do you see the Republican Party right now? Do you feel like it's divided? I know you, you align with more of the Governor Kent faction. I truthfully hate uh, the Republican Party right now. I was raised a Republican, but I'm very upset with our nationwide politics. And I think that Georgia, as we've seen in the last three election cycles, that we are pivotal here. And I feel like it's my mission and a lot of people's mission that are my age and younger to grow a better Republican Party. So let's dive a little deeper. Why do you hate the Republican Party? Is it concerns about the former president, or is it the policy issues? What, what, what makes you so upset with the direction well, of the I party? I mean, I have the same feelings about the Democratic Party, too. I think we've had leaders in there for too long, and I think that those people should probably go out to pasture, <laughs> as you would say. Uh, hey, Ward. Uh, yeah, I just think that there are younger, more invigorated people that should lead our nation, and I mean, I'm 33 and I've worked in politics my entire life. I've been in Georgia for 15 years. I spent 15 years in Virginia before that working politics. My father's from Texas. My mother's from Hall County. I am the Commonwealth, so I had no other way but to be red, white, and blue. Is there a candidate in particular who is running who you're worried about? And is there a candidate who energizes you? For president? For president. Right now, I've chosen to support Ron DeSantis because I think he has the strong leadership skills that our nation needs. There are some policy issues I would like him to change, so I am working with his team, or I will, I say working with his team, I'm in, right now on the sidelines being an advocate to say, hey, these are the things I think that you should work on uh, to run our nation. Well, Katie, thank you so much for joining us. Bluestein, it's always a pleasure being in your, uh, your pulpit here. We're here now with Jason Shepard, the former chairman of the Cobb County Republican Party, and I could say one of the bigger critics of the Georgia GOP establishment, of, of Chairman David Schaefer and, and others. Jason, uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Greg. How do you see the Republican Party moving? Do you think it's moving towards Donald Trump, or do you think that there's still room for other candidates to run? I think it is continuously moving to Donald Trump, and the reason is Donald Trump has really taken the initiative and people loyal to Donald Trump like Steve Bannon and his precinct project to get supporters of Donald Trump to these precinct caucus meetings to elect the delegates at the conventions who elect the party leadership. We really don't have a lot of loyalty to the principles of the Republican Party. In fact, most of them follow the populism of Donald Trump. Now, Donald Trump's popular, there's right-wing and left-wing populism, and Donald Trump's obviously more on the right-wing, but that doesn't make them conservatives. The Republican Party's always been the party of conservatives. 
there's this huge split between Governor Brian Kemp and the Georgia GOP. We saw it all throughout 2022. Um, obviously, that had a lot to do with Donald Trump, but it feels like this current party has a lot to do with Donald Trump, but not exclusively. We talked to a lot of people who are not supportive of Donald Trump. Where does this particular party apparatus go from here, where it's feuding with the governor as of today, the leadership is, um, but y'all have these really big elections still ahead of you? And that's that's going to be the question for the next couple of years. Whoever is elected chairman today has a heavy lift to really bridge that gap. And I, I hate to say it, the reason I'm not supporting any of the candidates is I don't see that from any of them. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of um, ironic that this convention has happened just after the death of Pat Robertson. And really the biggest division in the history of the George Republican really happened under Pat Robertson's candidacy for president in 1988, where we saw a big split among the Robertson delegates and supporters and those of George H.W. Bush. It took a strong chairman in Alec Poinavent to bring this party together. Ironically, Alec Poinavent's executive director was David Schaefer, and we've seen the party go the opposite way under Schaefer. So I think we do need to have someone who will come in and really can bring these factions together. Also, I think a lot of it being driven by the personality and candidacy of Donald Trump, should Donald Trump not get the nomination, should Donald Trump not win the White House if he did, I think we'll see a lot of his supporters start leaving the party. and we'll have a lot of work to rebuild for the future of Georgia. But I think we can because we've done it before. Jason, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Glad to be here. Thank you. Just ahead, some key moments from the speeches here at the Georgia Republican Convention in Columbus. This is a special edition of the Politically Georgia podcast from the AJC. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song. A celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-Hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And we're back to the Politically Georgia podcast from the AJC. Your host, Greg Bluestein and Patricia Murphy, recording this minutes after Donald Trump finished his remarks to the Georgia GP delegates. There's about 2,000 or so in the room, Patricia. Many of them are headed right for the doors uh, this afternoon. I don't know how many of you are coming back, but there's still some convention business to be done. But truly the biggest moment is already passed. That is Donald Trump's speech. It was a defiant speech. He, it was his first public remarks since the federal indictment. Um, he called it a scam, a hoax, a witch hunt. Nothing we haven't heard before, but still a moment uh, because of the of the historic precedent that that says. This is the first time in U.S. history that a former president has faced federal charges. 
It certainly is. And there was some question about whether or not he would discuss that. Would he at some point in his entire time in front of these audiences hold back and not say exactly what was on his mind? I'm certain that his attorneys have told him not to discuss the charges against him. He did not take that advice if that's what he got. He talked about not only the charges against him, he attacked Jack Smith, the special counsel. He attacked um, Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis, called her a Marxist, um, talked about her as being deranged, uh, blamed her for the crime in Atlanta, um, blamed, frankly, all DAs uh, in large cities for the crime in their cities and promised as president, he would pass a bill uh, to have federal oversight over local district attorneys. So just this incredibly defensive, aggressive pushback to not just what we saw this week from the federal indictments, but all these uh, potential indictments to come as well. Let's hear a snippet of what the former president said here in Columbus. Now the Marxist left is once again using the same corrupt DOJ and the same corrupt FBI and the attorney general and the local district attorneys to interfere in our elections at a level that our country and few countries have ever seen before. They're cheating, they're crooked, they're corrupt. These criminals cannot be rewarded. They must be defeated. You have to defeat them. You have to defeat them. Because in the end, they're not coming after me. They're coming after you. And I'm just standing in their way. Here I am. I'm standing in their way. And I always will be. And Patricia, that wasn't the only bellicose language we heard during this two-day convention. I want to specifically pinpoint former Arizona gubernatorial contender Kerry Lake, who delivered the keynote address on Friday. It was supposed to be former VP Mike Pence, who's also running for president. I think his advisors realized he was likely to get a very unwelcome response here in Georgia. He might have gotten booed. He might have gotten hissed. Who knows? Um, but in his stead, Kerry Lake came and spoke to the delegates at a fundraising dinner. Um, this is what she had to say when she added that Donald Trump's supporters were also NRA members. Most of us are card-carrying members of the NRA. That's not a threat. That's a public service announcement. <laughs> we will not let you lay a finger on President Trump. So we're hearing some very uh, abrasive language. Uh, you know, she said it wasn't a threat, but... There are, I'm sure, some in the room who heard it as such. E either way, uh, this is the sort of rhetoric we've been hearing from Donald Trump supporters. This convention, plenty of Donald Trump supporters, but I think one of the surprises, at least for me, was that the other two presidential contenders, Vivek Ramaswamy and particularly former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson, they weren't booed. They, they got polite and even more than polite. They got solid responses and ovations. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of curiosity among delegates about Vivek Ramaswamy. Uh, he, has some, he is a businessman. He is one of those candidates who kind of comes out of nowhere and has a fresh take on a lot of issues that people haven't heard before. So they've been very intrigued by him. He's a young guy on the scene as well. So there's a lot of interest and affection for him. And I was at the breakfast where former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson spoke. And I, you know, again, assumptions don't uh, don't bear out all that well. Um, I assumed he would not get a great reception because we do know this is a very conservative crowd here in Columbus. And Governor Hutchinson got a standing ovation at the mm. end of his remarks. His remarks were extreme. They kind of reminded me. It's almost a, a page out of the GOP of, you know, maybe either 1980 or 2000. Very 
positive, very sunny. Um, he talked about the um, his connection to Georgia. His wife was actually born at Crawford Long Hospital in Atlanta. So he said he considers Georgia his second home. That was kind of a very quick way to establish a connection with this audience. And then he talked about his role as Arkansas governor. A big applause line we talked about not closing the state down for COVID. I would say COVID has been a theme that we've heard from a number of candidates here as well that these delegates really are responding to. But then he also talked about being the administrator of the uh, DEA, fighting the illicit drug trade, uh, kind of getting very deep into the weeds of some policy pieces and saying they need as a party to go back to um, conservative values. Mm -hmm. That was just very well received. Um, So that was a group that really liked what he had to say. The only thing he said about Donald Trump in the room was that I know some people here support another candidate and that's okay. This is a diverse Republican party. Done and done, standing ovation outside in the gaggle. Of course, reporters like me asked him, what about the indictments against Donald Trump? He was very pointed about Donald Trump, said Trump needs to withdraw from the race. Also said that um, it's a huge distraction for the Republican Party. And then on Trump in particular, said that he has been treating secret documents like entertainment tools Hmm. and has no business being the commander in chief. So slightly different tone um, (laughs) talking to reporters. But again, (laughs) he was asked specifically about that by reporters. He was not screaming when he said it. It's just what he said, you know, and he was very straightforward about it. Um, He's somebody who I think 20 years ago, 15 years ago, could have had a lot of legs in this GOP. We'll have to see if there's an appetite for that. But there was a, you know, significant group of people who really enjoyed him this morning. And Patricia, that's just one of many rich plot lines in Georgia for Donald Trump's first return since last year. You know, a lot has changed in Georgia last year when he was here in March. He still harbored hopes of defeating Governor Brian Kemp and ousting Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger and other GOP incumbents. He still thought Herschel Walker had a chance to win. Uh, and the investigation here in, in Georgia from Fulton District Attorney Fonnie Willis was still, it was underway, but it was still a far off prospect. Now, a potential criminal prosecution could be imminent. Governor Kemp easily fended off David Perdue. Brad Raffensperger and other Republican incumbents squashed their Trump back challengers. The biggest standout. The biggest exception to that was Lieutenant Governor Burt Jones, who also happens to be the highest ranking Republican who attended this state GOP convention in Georgia. Uh, Governor Kemp, Chris Carr, the Attorney General, Brad Raffensperger, the Secretary of State, all of them boycotted. Here's what Burt Jones had to say about that. I told him, I said, I think they like me. But I can assure you this, y'all, the reason why I got elected lieutenant governor, and for that, I, I greatly appreciate that. And he also pushed back on the narrative that, that the AJC has written about how delegates are divided over Trump. I don't think we're divided at all. I think now more than ever, ever we're energized. And we're energized because of what's going on in, in Washington, D.C., And I said, if you want to see how energized they were, look at the 22 election where we won every constitutional statewide race here in the state of Georgia. Patricia, what do you think of this take? Is it sort of a glass is half full for the state Republicans here at the convention? 
Well, you know, I think the problem for Republicans writ large in the state is that the Republicans at the convention are not representative, it doesn't seem, of Republicans across the state because um, the party is divided. That is not um, that is not something that we're making up. It's something that we have observed after Governor Brian Kemp got a primary from David Perdue, after uh, Jody Heiss ran against Brad Raffensperger, all of these statewide officials got Trump sponsor challenges in their primaries. That is a divided party. Now, those uh, non-Trump candidates, except for Burt Jones, um, did very, did incredibly well in their primaries. Donald Trump's support did not matter. But we heard from uh, Burt Jones and David Schaefer and Kelly Loeffler over and over that th this is just a media narrative that this party is divided. Um, it's not just a media narrative. We talked to people in this room who didn't even didn't even agree with themselves among about yeah. Trump and about the future of the party. Um, then you look at uh, these incredible challenges, really unusual challenges and primaries that these statewide officials are getting. Um, that is the definition of a divided party. It's not fatally divided, um, but they have not done as well, particularly in those races where Donald Trump has gotten involved. So it is a divided party. We'll see if they can unite themselves to go forward. The common theme is they want to beat Joe Biden. That may be enough to get them across the line behind whoever they nominate, but I just don't know about that. And look, we can personally attest to the fact of the divisions of the party because we're hearing from pro-Kemp folks on texts and emails and face-to-face. -face. I'm hearing from activists who are coming up to me saying, left and right, saying, hey, this group does not reflect the Georgia GOP, the Georgia Republican Party as a whole. So, you know, there's divisions. But look, that's not the only other plot line. There's still others. There is a push that as of now is still aborted to give to pass a purity test so that the Georgia Republican Party has the final say on who can qualify to run as a Republican on the ballot. We never thought that would that would pass. But there's actually a sizable number of delegates here who back it. I mean, it's 40, 50 percent, not enough to overcome the two thirds threshold to get on the bat, you know, to get a floor vote, but still, a, you know, a significant number of delegates here back that idea. And there's also a number of election deniers that used the state Republican Party as a platform to promote lies about the 2020 election and beyond. I got to go run and cover this Georgia GOP chair election that's happening right now. Patricia, you want to take the reins? I've got the reins. I'm going to ride the pony into the barn right here. <laughs> so as Greg was saying, there are um, continued divisions within this party. One of the biggest divisions is what to make of what happened in the 2020 elections. We had Donald Trump come in here to very large applause and a major theme of what he had to say was that the election was not just stolen from him. He also said that Jody Heiss's election, his challenge to Brad Raffensperger was stolen. He said that David Perdue's challenge to Brian Kemp was stolen um, and uh, continued on and on about the perfect call that he made to Brad Raffensperger and that he, he had every right to complain about an election that he thought was rigged. Now, not everybody in this room believes that that election was rigged. Not every Republican in the state believes that it was rigged. But it's such an intense, unifying piece of that Trump base. It's so foundational to the argument that he's making to get himself 
back into the White House and have Georgia help him win his way back into the White House, that this continues to be a major fault line for the Georgia Republican Party now and certainly going forward. As the Georgia GOP convention concludes here in Columbus, we're going to continue to cover all of that. You can follow updates and check in on events at AJC.com. We'll be back on Wednesday for a full wrap-up of what we've seen here in Columbus. And coming up on Friday, we'll answer your questions from the listener mailbag, which you can call now. It's the Politically Georgia podcast hotline. You can call anytime, leave a message, and we'll play it back and answer your question right here on the podcast. That number is 404-526-AJCP. That stands for Atlanta Journal Constitution Politics. That's 404-526-2527. Let us hear from you. Well, thanks so much for listening to the Politically Georgia podcast. You can find links to all of the stories we've talked about today in the episode summary of this podcast. We'll release new episodes every Wednesday, every Friday, and whenever big news breaks. We'll see you next time on Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Yeah.